0: Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson.
1: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. Hi Matt. What's going on, man? Just living the dream, baby. What are you doing? Uh, you ready to go back to Cebu? No, I'm ready to go to Vegas. Yeah, that's true. We are going to Vegas tomorrow. I think it'll be fun. You ready? Are, are we going to find some people to interview while we're there? Maybe. Record a podcast? Maybe we should. Uh, maybe we can record the podcast to all the shame that I feel after I lose all my money on betting it all on Red
0: <laughs> or Odd. <laughs> I like... would bet it all on Full Scale, I think that'd be. Or Stackify or Gigabook. I think those would be good bets. Yeah, maybe.
1: Not on Red or Black. Maybe. You, you know, one... Uh, it, other than never getting away from the table when you're on a heater, um, I, I think the best gambling advice I ever got was wait by the roulette wheel until something weird happens near it and then bet it all on odd. I'm more worried about you going and buying a bunch of sneakers. Now I'm gonna, I might go to the Supreme store and buy some hype. I'm scared about S- that. Speaking of hype and promo, um, we have a special guest today that's going to give us a little background on it. and I, I'll
0: let you introduce him. All right, so today we have Chris Horsfield with us, and I guess I would just describe you as an entrepreneur more than anything. Um, so, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, Chris, um, though speaking of being an entrepreneur, would would you describe yourself as an entrepreneur? Yeah, I would say uh, originally I, I, uh, I started off in my twenties, bought my first house when I was twenty three. It kind of like grew up way too fast, and learned quickly that you know I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Uh, researched uh, several different investment strategies, went out and bought a book, 5,000 companies to start for under $5,000 and immediately went through about 10 of them and failed. And that, that was a, that was a great experience. Uh, Uh, My first. What kind of businesses are on that list? Five thousand businesses, vending businesses. You you name it. Like lawn mowing, just like like, they're all they're all low capital, uh, low risk. But it it really teaches you, um, you know. What, uh, what things you really need to look for and how to how to make sure that you really have, actually have a good business plan for ROI. Were, were you selling like rainbow vacuum cleaners? That was more like or spiral gumball machines. <laughs> uh, <you laughs> know, gumball machines. You, you watch yeah. kids walk in and they they get the gratification of watching the yeah. fall all the way to the bottom. So yeah. I did the research and uh, you could buy four hundred gumballs at thirty three uh, point. 0.13 cents a piece. So he sold the whole dome. It's $400. Yeah. Well, there's people that go around and just fill vending machines, right? I actually know a guy that had a gumball business and he made a shitload of money on it.
1: Yeah. You know, you're talking about a little gumball and getting 25 cents for it. Yeah. Now he had to buy a whole lot of gumball machines and, you know, figure out where to put them and stuff like that. So you said you went
0: through all 5,000? Oh, no, I went through about five <laughs> uh, to really figure out uh, what was going to work and, uh, you know, had a, had a couple you know, really small ones that, that I, that I sold off, but that was my, my first experience. Um, and then actually focused more on real estate cause that seemed to be the one that had the least amount of work at the time. But you've also always been a software developer, right? Yeah. I originally came to Kansas city about, uh, 25 years ago, went to, um, UKC computer science school and have been an IT my whole life. Okay. And so, you, but you were doing some entrepreneurial things. Back then, outside of IT, and then yeah, uh, I was still in college then, so okay, I was trying to uh, get my feet wet for the real world while studying. I did the same thing. I was just trying to sell. A, it was like multi-level marketing of selling vitamins online instead. So, man, yeah, I tried a
1: bunch of stuff. You know, I think that the very first hustle I ever had was, um, you know, my parents had a house that backed up to a golf course, and we used to find golf balls in the yard. Um, and also there was a a pond on that hole that they lived on. So, you know, people drop golf balls in it. Um, so we'd go out and, you know, walk, we'd take, take walk around in our shorts and you step on the golf balls in the mud. Yeah. Pick them up, shine them up, take them up to the tee box, you know, three for a dollar. It's a big day. If we made like 12 bucks. Yeah. I can lose those golf balls just as well as I can lose the expensive one. So it works for me. Yeah. That worked. And, you know, we have a lemonade component to that. Like, oh, nice.
0: A scale little up. vodka in it, too. Uh, no, no. But, <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't have been the
1: worst idea. We used to get thrown off the golf course quite a bit. You know, the, the course marshal would come by, and that was like a shakedown.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> so how did you then transition? You worked as a Software developer for a while, and then how did you become kind of a technology entrepreneur? There? You know, um, it was actually by chance, uh, I, while working a full-time job, I had other people approach me. They, they knew, you know, at the time that I did good work on some other projects and asked if I was willing to do some freelance work. And that's pretty much where it got started. Uh, people coming to us with problems and needed affordable solutions. So, and so what, where did you start with that? Like what, what company was that? Uh, so that, that was originally, um, a company called need it, have it that I started back in 2009. Um, We did anything from, you know, uh, uh, WordPress sites or um, some simple sites to complex um, pharmacy related applications or healthcare. And um, at, at the time we didn't discriminate. If something, somebody came to us with a problem, we would try to find something that was affordable in their budget what I did learn was that you can't really sustain yourself whenever you're um, only having clients that are coming to you for really cheap startup projects. Yeah. Well, and the other problem that I always hear from, from guys that do that sort of uh, consulting work is either spend all your time doing the work or all the time trying to find the work and you can't do them both at the same time. Right. Yeah. If you're, you know, if it's just you, you got to keep, you know, filling the pipeline of the next projects to do. And if you're, you know, in the weeds doing the work, then you look up and the next thing you know, you don't have work to do because you didn't spend time selling stuff. So that's always the, the struggle. But, uh, so how did you venture from there to, uh, front flip and some sort of the things you've done? Uh, so when I, my first job out at college, um, I worked at a uh, person young and at the time my uh, the CEO of that company knew me from, you know, 20 years later, he was investing in, in uh, front flip, okay, and uh, got a LinkedIn connection with the opportunity. and I saw the, the layout and the plans of what that product was going to look like and and how the business model worked. So at the time, it was it was really exciting because um, there wasn't a lot of uh, really cool apps out there. With uh, as mobile adoption was happening, there weren't a lot of cool apps that you could interact uh, with small to medium-sized uh, restaurants um, and convenience stores. So this, is, so this business in South was called Front Flip. Tell us more about what it did. So, so the, uh, the uh, benefit to the, the consumer was it was an engagement platform where you had a chance to win something every time you came in to drive traffic into uh, to businesses. So, for instance, if you went into uh, Minsky's Pizza, uh, you could scratch off and maybe win a free pizza or 50% off something that they were, uh, was a new menu item, which helped increase sales because, you know, some people go into Minsky's purely for pizza and not know that they have amazing wings. Like that, that was one of the coolest things. best. We wings. proved that. Yeah. We have proved that. I'm a, I'm a big fan of their wings now. Yeah. Like, um, so, so the, uh, the other cool component of this is. If you haven't visited in a long time, we had automated campaigns that were running. That, um, you know, if, if a customer hadn't been in a week or a month, you'd get another coupon. And then it kind of learned the behavior of the person to help uh, incentivize them to come back in. So those were um, trying we new push notifications that the user would get on their phone, and tell them that, hey, come back. Yes. Exactly. And this was around 2011, 2012? Yeah, that was 2011. At the time, there were, there were a couple of competitors out in the space, uh, Five Star. And, um, you know, Shopkick did a similar kind of thing, but they weren't really focused on uh, the restaurant industry or fast casual. Um, is it, in some ways, it's a little bit similar to like Foursquare and checking in, right? Except this was more about you had a chance to get special offers and stuff like that. Yeah, and I'd say the, uh, the consumer gratification of scanning and scratching off the digital yeah. scratch card and then sometimes you'd have a second chance to win something. so uh, if you didn't if you didn't uh, win the first time, if you answered a few questions and gave some feedback, you could maybe win something a second time. So I remember back when I don't know, it was 2012 or 2013 or whatever it was, it seemed like Front Flip was everywhere, at least here in Kansas City. Like every store you would go to, they would have little placards on your table. Or around the restaurant, it would say, you know, you could go into the front flip app and do it. And I honestly didn't do it very often, but I did do it once in a while. And
1: uh, so back in, that was using a QR code? Yeah. That was like a high road lift for people back then. Like, it was, no one really yeah.
0: even knew what that was, did they? Yeah. And and, and it was interesting because you go through the phases of, you know, rolling out that, uh, that table square, is what we called it. Yeah. Um, and just how the technology evolved over time. Originally, every location had their own unique QR code. Uh, so you can imagine, uh, from piloting this, the, the original costs, uh, of rolling that out to a store and beta for the MVP got expensive because you had to have somebody collate and print that, um, and then make sure that it gets shipped to the right location so that, you know, you're, you're giving that data analytics back to that specific location. So as we grew, uh, to over 2000, um, Businesses in, in those first couple of years, we were, were we those went, all local, or did this start to yeah? We started off, uh, local, and then we did do a couple of uh, uh, on on foot uh, salespeople in Dallas. We we'd go down there and uh, you know test out those two markets, but we we eventually expanded to where we had thirty six states uh, of active uh, locations. With didn't you guys do a big pilot with like? Uh, we them. did one with uh, Anheuser-Busch. We built their uh, Bud Light mobile uh, Music First app. So they have 50 concerts in 50 states all on the same day. And oh, wow. every I one of the artists part. Yeah, it was pretty cool. We, we had... Uh, there was a couple computing things. I used to be in the ticket business, so... Oh, yeah, we, we partnered with Live Nation, so yeah.
1: know the ticket oh, yeah. business, yeah. Uh, there were some computing ones, too. Samsung had a, a similar one around that time but they called samsung crush i remember it because i got to go see jay-z with like a thousand people i thought that was really cool you're not cool i didn't say i was cool i just said that the, whole, the show was cool that is cool i haven't seen it yeah concert but it, he's going to be a guest in here soon or or not you just need to stay <laughs> tuned and see what happens i'm not going to let that cat out of the bag go. well i already booked beyonce i just got figured he'd come
0: with her yeah. So yeah. Let's I was kinda hoping you get Paul Rudd out here, you know, since he's already local. I think mean, we can make that happen. I, mean, I think we really could too. I to just think, think we might need to ask him. I don't think yeah. he's gonna come find us. I've so. golfed with his mom and her dad before, so they're a lovely too. Did so, they beat you as bad as your wife did when you there? <laughs> so, so you join this company? after it had been around a year or two, right? And so did you kind of then come in as like the technical co-founder? Yeah, I was, so I was the first, uh, it employee as the CTO. There were, uh, five people that were full time in the company at the time. The, the, the two founders, uh, that were brothers and they had some, some sales guys, um, their, their MVP product was a complete redesign. Um, you know, we were going with a different strategy where, you know, we're able to, um, give a one-stop shop for, for the uh, business owner to go in and, and uh, be able to set up their prizes, send automated gifts with push notifications and drive that traffic into the store and uh, basically um, uh, learn what menu items are, are working and what aren't, which was really beneficial if you think about it. Because if you're a, a restaurant owner and you're trying to push new menu items and, and you're, you're just going off your point of sale system, you're not really going to get the feedback that you need from the consumer to know uh, if they liked it or not. and Why? Um, and maybe it's not necessarily the food. Maybe it was the service. Maybe it was um, something else. And being able to give that real time feedback to the business owner, was a big differentiator for, for the product at the time. So, you were the, the technical co founder, as we always say, we're all just looking for something to do, right? Just a guy looking for something to do. Uh, and I think most of our listeners, the, the problem most of them have is actually finding you, right? Like, there's people all over the place that have an idea or um, they're willing to invest in some idea, but it's trying to find that technical co founder, right? The, the tech lead that can make this thing happen. So, do you have any suggestions for our listeners on how to find you? You're like a unicorn. Um you know, that, that's a tough That's one a lot because, of pressure, Matt. Yeah. That's <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like thanks. I mean. You wait, you way talk me up, but um I I'd say uh I'd say giving people a chance, you know. Um it, it's really hard to find somebody that has an entrepreneurial mind and a, a technical mind. Yeah. But but if you give somebody that's a, a technically gifted a chance, I think you know, with the right uh, the right opportunities, they they could succeed. And I, I'd say I was fortunate that I tried in several of my own business ventures early on, whenever I was young, to be able to uh, get the experience to know what should work for a product. Um, you know, have it. I'd say you had the entrepreneurial spirit; you just needed the
1: chance. Right. right. Yeah. I think he's right. That you know, finding someone that is. You know, a developer, you know, your CTO or someone like that that's also entrepreneurial by nature, uh, the personality styles that usually come with either aren't usually, they usually don't overlap.
0: So, I would say, if anything, we're, it's finding people that are opportunistic, right? Like, I, I would have always described myself as opportunistic. Like, I worked a full time job, but I was always wanting to do side projects and do this and do that. And like, I was always out there and I wanted to do more, right? And maybe I never thought about it as, being entrepreneurial, but you're also you're also like seventy times
1: more outgoing than most technical. That is true, yeah. And that, and that's that. With that comes uh, a more. Uh, you're you have more aversion to risk. You know, like you're you're not afraid to take right. a chance, and
0: that's where a lot of that entrepreneurial spirit comes from. And yeah, it was it was for me like when I started my my first you know real company. It was guy asked for some help. I'm like, I don't know, maybe I can help you. Let's give it a shot. You know, and you just try, right? Like it was just, it was an opportunity. No idea what I was doing, no idea where it was going to go. But it's, it's so hard for 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 people to find those technical people that will, they can, you know, latch under their wagon and start these companies. So it's, all, it's always a big topic. So that's why I asked the question. So, I was also the technical co-founder. Somebody found me. Yeah, Matt, Matt we, we've yeah, all we've all been story. looking for you. Yeah,
1: how do we find a unicorn like you, Matt? Uh, Give us the secret. Give us the roadmap. For me, you had where to does go, that rainbow end?
0: You had to go to a random car dealership and say, "Do you know a computer programmer?" Like, I've, been doing, like, I've been doing I've been doing that for guy. like I've been doing that for like six years. But
1: I haven't found shit. It's What's like, up? With I know that? a guy.
0: So did you shop at that car dealership or have no? You I helped connection? I helped write a uh, little software program for them, and so another guy was uh, looking to start a business and actually asked them if uh, they knew anybody who could help them do some software stuff. And it was like, yeah, matter of fact, I did. The rest of it was history. Weird how those things happen. but You're smart enough to be a real partner though and have, have ownership, right? That, yeah. That's, the, so that's where I think a lot of uh, technical co-founders shy away unless they, they can really understand that model and have gone through it. Well, so how did that work for you? So when you joined Front Flip, did you end up owning very much of it, or like a real minority share? It was a minority share. A yeah, minority uh, share. I actually invested in it too, uh, my own money. So okay, uh, it was uh, it was definitely a learning experience watching the sale process because that, that was something that I'd never been uh, a partial owner in and and gone through the sale process. I've been at a couple other companies where I worked for them and they got acquired but didn't have that visibility. Um, yeah. So I, I want to talk more about that, but I think first of all, tell us a little more about what happened with front flips. So you, you create this product and really had a couple, couple thousand restaurants and 36 States. It's going well. It was everywhere in Kansas city. You guys must've had like the vast majority of restaurants using it. Um, what happened? So, so at a, at a point in time, um, you know, we were looking at, at the roadmap, um, and brought in a a group of, uh, Groupon sales folks to help really grow this, you know, past 36 states. And what, what we were looking at was, um, the model for charging per location, um, you know, to get, to get revenue, uh, positive was going to be difficult unless we charge for the setup and made it seamless so that the, uh, the actual entrepreneur or owner of the business could seamlessly set up their own and onboard their own, um, companies. And the complexity of that is, uh, uh, back to the QR code thing. We realized, okay, if you bring on, like, for instance, we had a 256 location, McDonald's franchise in Philadelphia. They wanted to be able to group all their locations together and, um, be able to, to send out prizes at the group level because an individual fri- franchise owner might have different menu items than somebody else. If you've ever watched uh, founder, the McDonald's story, just watch that two days ago, you the know? same things happen in there where somebody else might sell chicken, right? And you can't, you can't get a chicken in McDonald's and to do. Yeah, they do that regionally. Like when I live in the Southwest, you can get a green chili cheeseburger I, I like it. their chicken, actually. It's like, if you fried the chicken's the chicken, is always good. It's hard to screw it up. Let's yeah. be honest. That's true. <laughs> so um, if, imagine if you were sending out prizes to all of Philadelphia and, you know, you gave away a uh, free chicken sandwich and you go in and that particular location didn't serve yeah, chicken. Sure. It, it makes it, uh, it makes it more difficult. So we had to tailor the software to you, to where you could target group specific prizes, but rather than use a QR code uh, per location, we geofenced the QR code and grouped it by location. So every location's in a group, um, but what we were doing was tracking to see when you scanned what the location you were closest to, so we could map that user to that location. Right. Sure. And then you know, when you register, there's a couple of pieces of information that you have to put in like your postal code of where you live. Right. So we know. Distance you're traveling from lunch, uh, dinner, um, and whether or not you're at work, because you know obviously people aren't going to go to the same location right. 30 minutes so, from their home every so day. So, how did you guys continue to grow then? Like, what what kind of happened with the business? So, we, we looked at doing promotions, um, and uh, that that kind of really helped a lot on the on the revenue side. So, as you know, with every sales cycle, you know it's depending on budget, depending on uh, actually. In our space, there was a lot of uh, turnover and exchange or acquisition of local mom and pops, which was new to me. I had no idea how much uh, actual change in management and ownership there is uh, with local restaurants. With franchises, that didn't have them a lot. But if you look at some of the new uh, restaurants around here where it might have been. Uh, uh, if, you, if you guys know any of the restaurants out south, like uh, there's a couple of taco places that were really good that closed down or they changed management. Okay. So you're, you're basically reintroducing yourself to that customer at that point to, um, see if they want to stay on it right. or not. And a lot of turnover in your, in your customer base was a big problem for you. Yeah. And it was mostly in local, but what we saw on the, on the national side was, uh, we were having success there because, uh, the decision makers, um, a lot of times were the franchise owners, which kind of helped. But then every once in a while, you'd get into uh, having to have corporate sponsorship to say, I want to
1: have every McDonald's be available for this promotion. Right. That creates a whole separate gauntlet to run through. It's kind of frustrating, I'm sure. So how
0: long did it take? You said something like being in 2,000 places. Was that right? Yeah, there was a... 2,500 locations on the platform. That, uh, if I got the count right, it, uh, around thousand of them were in the Kansas City area. Wow! How, how long did it take to get to that? Um, I, I
1: want to say that was three years. Okay. but we—that's uh, still pretty aggressive. I mean,
0: what 800 a year on average? that's a lot. Yeah, we at the—I think by by 2015 we had. Two million users, a million on Android, iOS, roughly split. It was it was approaching two million users, uh, which at, at the time that was a pretty good little number. Yeah. Uh, if you look at if you look at MoviePass.com, and yeah, you look now, some headlines and lately. Uh, I was talking to Buddy. And he was like, "People want their their analytic data." I was like, "Well, they only have two million users." Uh, so from a from a um, acquisition perspective, looking at how people um, go and shop and buy movie tickets, I would think, you know, a Netflix that has a hundred million isn't going to look at somebody with two million, but if they're growing a million every year, that's what they're going to be looking for. Cause they want the next, you know, um, Snapchat, Instagram, sure. Type yeah. Product. So over
1: time, as this grew, you eventually uh, exited this company in what twenty
0: sixteen. So we actually got acquired by uh, a lottery gaming company called Shouts in uh, two thousand fifteen. Um, they were they were really interested in the, the scratcher technology because in the United States right now, uh, you know, it's still you still have to go purchase a lottery ticket from a convenience store, or a, a local supplier. Um, and it's not, a, it's not legal to sell it online, but in other countries right now we're, we're behind where you can actually purchase a lottery ticket because it's a live draw, you know, you're, you're just, uh, solidifying the numbers back to a centralized, uh, lottery database. So what they wanted was that, uh, the scratch off technology, there was a uh, patent pending on, on the scratcher and, uh, the gifting technology. Huh. So you guys actually patented doing a scratch off ticket? Yeah, so so they had. uh it's they had, interesting. Um, early on, uh, one of the one of the co founders, uh, Matt, he he had looked um, early on to get those uh, patent pending in place back in 2011. And uh, another interesting thing was they owned uh, the trademark for G which was really cool. And at the time, like Google Plus was yeah. coming out with that. And, and it was actually trademarked by them early on. So there was, uh, there was some stuff going on between Google and, and FrontFlip where they um, had a settlement giving that name back huh. to them, which was pretty awesome. I was like, that was kind of an interesting
1: experience. Huh. There's a few things I picked up here in the show. One, I think we should have an employee loyalty program where when you show up to work, you can win a prize every day. And I'm really into this scratch-off thing. So, you know, like, here every episode. So, and I don't know if you know this, but Matt and I used to do Rochambeau, you know, rock, paper, scissors. He lost, like, 15 episodes in a row, which I, we we're still baffled by. We just quit after that. But I feel like the scratch-off thing would be
0: good. I might have a chance.
1: Well, yeah, but, you know, it'll be like, you have to read Million Dollar Better.
0: Oh shit! Or, or you know, Are you me homework assignments now, and no. I get a, a prize as a scratch off ticket? Is that no, funny? that's
1: not the intention here. I mean, you, Matt, you get what you get. The okay. ticket, the ticket does not lie.
0: You get what you get, and you don't throw a fit.
1: it. Okay, yeah, I'm not really sure. If you, you know, for those of you listening, if you want to uh, join us on the Facebook uh, start a hustle chat and give us some ideas as far as what we can give away these scratch off. So I think it would be pretty interesting. I like I, some Balut. Oh God. Oh my God. Wait a minute. Oh no, I don't like this idea. You and Balut. Balut, uh, Chris is a Filipino delicacy, which is really just the
0: grossest thing you've ever uh, think of. It's like a fermented duck egg. Yeah. It's gross. So are you guys taking meals over there next time? Or? No, no, no. It's no, no. great. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's not,
1: Someone hey, did uh, you hear? I found a uh,
0: Filipino
1: food truck here. Really? We're going to cater in some Filipino foods. So. I don't really even eat Filipino food when I'm in the Philippines. You're eat so some adobo, sure. and you're going to love it. By the way, I'm gonna take you to a taco truck in Vegas this weekend. It's like the most lowbrow place in the world. It's like in between a strip club and a rim store. Oh, perfect. Yeah, but it's got the greatest tacos ever. Every time I go to well, Vegas, I we're gonna have some Filipino food delivered in the office next week. I'm in. We're working on it. Working on it. I'm in. Well, so Chris, what's next? So you're not doing front flip, you're doing some other stuff now. Like I mean, are you yeah, yeah. So right right now we're
0: uh we're we're growing in the, the medical space. We we found uh, a couple of niche products that we uh, have put a, a lot of. When you uh, say we, in. is this the same people you were doing front flip with? Uh, a, cu- a couple of developers uh, that were uh, founded the company with me were at front flip, but um, now it's uh, just myself and uh, Chris Wheaton, another other partner of mine that I actually met him. Um, uh, it was around two thousand nine. Uh, working for another startup called Able Incorporated, that got bought by Sin Learning. So he was a, a front end developer there, very talented guy. Like picks up frameworks like I, it just blows my mind how fast he can, he can pick those up. And- so sounds like you've caught the entrepreneurial bug. Yes. So you you also have a. Consulting business, right? Yes. So you have a consulting business, but then you've, you've created a, a couple of pro- products as well. So, what, what were those called again? Uh, therapy Stack and Cloud Intake. And the, the premise behind those is automation of uh, forms for uh, patients. You know, if, if you go to the doctor, you, you'll still find that even if you have like my charts with KU, you'll fill out a couple of things online and you still have to sign like 40 pieces of paper and sometimes duplicate information. So what we did was we uh, created a mobile onboarding process where you only have to enter the information once, and it's not redundant. And then it's all electronic, so you're saving those paper costs. Um, And then we do integrations into EMRs and EHRs. I feel like that will
1: just confuse the entire medical staff everywhere that I go. They will be like, what do you mean we don't have to
0: fill this out for the 40th time? of work. paperwork. Yeah, and people, people still like to scan things. Uh, they don't like to take pictures of them. But it's it's going to take a lot of work to really change over the next five years. But I, I think you'll, you'll start to see it with telemedicine, uh, you know, the ability to prescribe and, and help people through video chat. For yeah, we've had, actually had some guests on the show
1: that were, uh, you know, related to some similar Things, um, But we're talking about, you know, the telehealth, um, you know, being able to, well, I know that uh, with our, my family's existing healthcare provider, they have an option where we can actually talk to a doctor, you know, over a video.
0: And awesome. I mean, that's great. I mean, that's a step in the right direction. Do I mean, you have kids? Yeah. How, how many times have your, your kids got hurt and it's the it's choice of, I need to go to the emergency room right now and is anybody available? But if you could just get on a chat service with a certified professional. We did one where um,
1: one of my kids had pink eye and uh, yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was easier for us. It seemed to be cheaper for the healthcare provider
0: and that was a big, that was a big plus. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of opportunity around the HIPAA hosting of that too, and the security model, um, where you see kind of Amazon's really trying to push forward on that, uh, where you know ten years ago people would have never hosted anything on AWS that was healthcare related. Is there anything Amazon doesn't do? I have no idea.
1: We're going to talk about that some next week. We're going to have an ongoing series with our uh, local Amazon expert, Andrew Martins. I just know I buy everything there. Yeah, that's all I know. Yeah, apparently 43 percent of anything online does, and growing. So, what did they just have like a two billion
0: dollar quarterly profit? It's all about trust, right? Like they're going to tell me right up front, do they have this in stock, and I know if I'm going to get it in two days. You so know what I, to, I you have no idea, like you actually have this thing. That's know, something I want. That's
1: something I want to ask Andrew about because I feel like now when I look at the Amazon app, it's like you can have it tomorrow, and then I go to check out, and it's like two days from now
0: it'll be delivered, like. You know, you know where the market's going with that. My my sister uh, owns one of the, the top Amazon stores in, in Florida, and now they're you can actually hire drivers uh, as Amazon slash your mm-hmm. employee and go and pick up other people's packages, just like mm-hmm. if you think of the Uber concept yeah. for package delivery. Yeah, yes. I do that here in town because I get random. People that show up to my house to deliver all the crap my wife
1: buys on Amazon all the time. I don't like that actually. <laughs> it's like unmarked cars. I'm yeah, like sitting there in you know, my office. Is, uh, my home office is right near my front door. And we, we'll talk. We talked about to Andrew about some of that. Yeah. Um, it, I do find it interesting that I like the technology
0: though. When I get an email that says it's been delivered and I see a picture of it on my porch. Yeah, that's cool. You know, then I get to. Yeah,
1: it is random. Or your ring
0: doorbell tells you because Amazon owns that too.
1: Yeah, I haven't gone that far, but we do have a bunch of Amazon Cloud Cam uh, uh, that we can, you know, see what's going on in our Cebu office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been putting them in your office too. That's okay. There's nothing exciting. It's so boring. I'm usually like, in your office. Just, yeah, I know. I'm like, where's Matt? Where's Matt? Where's Matt? And I turn around, you're lying on my couch, yeah. and you're complaining being about being the a startup founder. You're like, oh my god, this is so terrible. But you know, it's okay. We we started a club for founders that we, we call Beers and Tears it's a safe
0: place where founders can just show up and cry or get drunk or do both. <laughs> yeah. So, that's, that's good. so what's, what's next for your two new startups that you're working here? Are they kind of in the e stage? You got customers? What yeah, we, we have customers, uh, for, for four years on, on the, uh, therapy, uh, EHR product, um, oh, nice. the, uh, the cloud intake. We, we've got a couple of, uh, paid, um, right now, but really, really looking to grow that, um, I know there's some competition in the space, but we're, uh, we're able to move faster because uh, we're a technical co-founders. So it kind of helps yeah. out. <laughs> you know, competition isn't that scary. It's all about who has the best customer acquisition strategies is really what matters. Yeah, health,
1: healthcare is tricky. Um, you know, just all the compliance. Uh, I, I have a feeling it's just getting worse just because of the data. And, you know, I'm sure that's a whole nother episode. Well, man, I'm going to go figure out how many times we're going to go to this taco drug in Vegas. Yeah. And I'm going to fax you our can travel item. Should we do a like Rochambeau can. in Vegas? I mean, I feel like there's <laughs> only, ready, if it, only if it's for cash. There's got to be some That's kind of betting involved with this I, I'm, in Vegas. Yeah, I just realized
0: Rochambeau. I got I to gotta bring the live stream. Like, I got to bring the live stream. Like who tonight. has to pay for the hotel or who has to pay for the plane ride or something. Mm, I see. I
1: see <laughs> where you're going with this. This is a it's crest- this is what's called a setup, <laughs> and uh, you don't have to be an entrepreneur or like the. Or pays for dinner or something like well, what happened last time, Matt? I lost. I yeah, did I'm you back. guys play the
0: credit card game? No,
1: you do that. Let's no. talk about. Let's talk okay. about that. I was ready to sign off, but I want to hear. Yeah. I want to hear
0: about this. So I, I used to uh, when I was when I was younger, we'd go out with a group of friends, and everybody throws their credit card in a hat at the end of the day, and then. The waiter waitress staff, you say either the first person selected or the last person is, and, and they get to pick. And then that person this card comes out pays the bill. We I'm just th- gonna put all of his credit cards out. That's gonna work great.
1: How many of my credit cards do you <laughs> have? Alone. You do, actually. Yeah, I do, do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like where this is going. I, I I'd have to see the cards the whole time. I think you're up to some sneaky stuff,
0: Watson. Cards up my sleeves.
1: Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna have, we're gonna <laughs> We're bringing Rochambeau back in Vegas. We're, we're gonna, gonna have to. I, I only want to do it if it's like, like, like we're shooting craps in the alley. Like we're gonna go find like a low, <laughs> brow, like next to at a, the, the taco truck. Yeah. Oh, that's yes. We're on. It. Well, Rochambeau for who buys lunch at the taco truck? No, the dude, the taco truck didn't open for lunch. It didn't even open till like nine o'clock. I mean, are you kidding? <laughs> it's like it really is a greatest. But I, I have a. Um, I, I did a. We did a. JC Lopez and I, the founder of Urban Necessities, we, okay, I ate at this taco truck at least 20 times last year. So I'm not kidding. We know the phone number. The taco truck has a phone in it. All right, well, we're going to find out. You're talking this thing way up. Dude, it really, do you think I would have gone to the same taco truck 20 times? Yeah, because I like tacos. Yeah, well, yes, there's that part, but they're like different. They're not like, they're like the little round tacos, you know? Like, I don't know. How does it compare to Taco Bell? It, it's it's nowhere near it, Matt. It's just nothing can compete with Taco Bell. Anyway, anyway, Chris, thanks for coming by. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate Bye. the input. And uh, you know, I'm going to get ready to fax map our travel itinerary. Okay, we, we were please. determining that scamming and faxing is the best way. I to mean, do it's a bit so. We did have a fax machine in our room, so. <laughs> 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 I'm going to post a picture of the technological setup in our hotel rooms. And so you, you will very quickly understand that square monitors and fax machines do exist. They still exist. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to make sure to let everyone know my fax number once I arrive. So okay. Yeah. Them. Post it everywhere. Anyway, I'm yeah. ending this shit. I'm All right. Go. See ya.